Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome today to Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am so excited for our guest today. I know you hear me say that all the time, but I am excited for every guest and for always for a slightly different reason. Because Carrie and I met, just to give a little context, Carrie and I met at my first Mom 2.0 conference in May of 2023. It was also her first, and it, it felt like kind of like college again for me, where I'm at the bookstore just the first days, you don't know what you're doing. And it's where I met one of my best friends. That's why I'm saying that we ran into each other in the line at the bookstore, both like totally overwhelmed, totally like, what the heck? And that's how it felt with Carrie. We sat next to each other at the orientation. And then we just kept finding each other, running into each other, signing up for the same things, you know, had just a really lovely, fast connection. And then a lot of intersection in what we're doing and what you'll discover about Carrie is she's a very dedicated woman and dedicated to motherhood, mothering, and everything that it entails. So I think we'll just jump right in without further ado, because I'm excited for us to bring this conversation to you. Well, here I am, here we are with my guest, Carrie Fund. So welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I forgot to tell you, I preempted ahead of this, like with a very short intro about how we met each other, but didn't really go into a lot of details because I wanted all that to come out in the interview. But it was so fun. And uh, I'm so glad we have this opportunity to be together and share on all the ways we cross over and ways that we are aligned. Yes, 100%. I was having a little bit of withdrawals from uh, talking to you and seeing you, <laughs> you know, at the um, mom summit event that we attended. <laughs> I know. I, I just figured there were no accidents, right? I don't know how many people were there, but it was over 300, right? Uh, no, I think for, yeah. for four. I think I kept three saying or 400. Yeah, three or 400. Yep. Yeah. And I just thought it was so beautiful. Like we just kept being in the same things, sitting at the same table, running into each other. So I'm like, I'm okay. I'm stalking you and you're not stalking me. It's just- Right, exactly. <laughs> Panels. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was totally meant to be. So I will share now some about, you know, kind of the, I call it logistics. There's a better word for that, but, you know, the particulars of your bio and who you are, but then we'll, you know, dive right in. But I think this part's important too, to know you. So Carrie Fund was born in West Virginia, grew up on a horse ranch. She has a, which I'd like to hear more about too, because I'm <laughs> sure there's some great stories. She has a master's in clinical nutrition from New York University and a bachelor of science in human nutrition and foods from West Virginia University. Carrie has worked in the beauty industry in New York City for over a decade, 
building brands, working behind the scenes, and even developing and selling her own skincare line. Yes. Recently, Carrie worked in corporate social media management for six years with clients in beauty, fashion, and restaurant. She's published two titles, Fake Perfect Me in 2010 and For Internal Use Only in 2012. I didn't hear about those books, so you're going to have to touch on that. Currently, currently lives in Miami Beach with her husband, her two dogs, and is a full-time, she says this in her bio, I am not saying this, helicopter mom to her, <laughs> to her daughter and son. She's currently working on the book she believes she was born to write. And we're going to hear about that too. So Carrie, welcome. And just beautiful life that you've lived. And I think, you know, you sharing now, like kind of building off that and and touching on your journey because you've rewritten a lot of mother codes to be where you're at right now and family, culture, all of the above. And so I'd love no particular order. Don't feel like you have to even be linear in sharing some of your journey, if you don't mind. Of course. So I would say when I became pregnant, it sort of forced me to realize oh my gosh, there's some things that I need to do to work on myself because I immediately had this sense of wanting to become the parent that I never had. And, you know, I think most of my life through my teenage years and my womanhood, you know, I always did that. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. And I really like that word because it's such a cover up. And I actually throughout my life um, had to make some tough decisions as a kid having to move from one toxic parent into another toxic parent's home. My parents were divorced. I came to the conclusion at the age of 14 that one had to be healthier than the other to give me a fighting chance to have somewhat of a chance for happiness in a normal childhood. (laughs) That's another story as well. So I like to say that I survived two emotionally toxic parents. And it was through my womanhood that I was still being this prisoner in my mother's past, her emotional pain. And I eventually met somebody that was the love of my life. I was 30 years old. So I've been dealing with a lot of the toxic parenting and the baggage and the drama for until 30, 31 years old from my childhood, like four or five years old. It's been the running family theme in my, in my entire life. Sure. So it sort of just became normal. Living in chaos and living in fight or flight was just my normal. And then here I meet this guy and who's now my husband. He was, was love at first sight, the love of my life. And I stopped. It really stopped me in my tracks it, and it made me realize, wow, I'm never going to be able to have any of things that I want. Love, uh, a happy marriage, to be a mom. I like saw all of this so quickly after meeting him because my parents are not going to allow me to be present so I can create my own story and to have a future. And it was at 31 that I had to decide that it was, it was better for me to have a healthy separation than an unhealthy relationship with my mother. And that's, Mm. that's a hard choice to make. And I really don't wish that upon anyone. And sure, you know, there's a lot of shame and disappointment and some family members don't understand that. And you tend to be seen as an outcast in your own family. So now I was having to lose my mother and grieve somebody that's still alive at the same time, be treated like an outcast with some of my other family members. But I thank God every day that I was still able to see this picture of to have this, 
I have to give up this. Mm-hmm. And no child, no matter how old you are, whether you're 10, 14, 30, or 50, no child should have to choose those things. But I've learned that I had to stop expecting other people to change that were going to change. So I had to change my expectations and I had to make choices. And we all have a choice. I think we forget that in life is that we all have choices. We just forget that we have the power to make them. I'm happy to say that, you know, it's been, I've been a work in progress and it wasn't until this past year that a lot of other things came to surface. And I've really been working on myself and really diving more into healing because I've realized that you know, this, I'm fine. You're fine. You can keep saying those things and you can keep pushing down trauma and you can keep pushing down pain, but those things will just keep coming back up and resurfacing. And they'll, your body will remind you, knock, <laughs> knock, hello, I'm here and you're not okay. Yeah. So this year has been the biggest change for me because I've honestly realized that you have to be connected physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to truly live a wholehearted life by acknowledging that and working on all these pieces of me. I honestly can say it's now 45 years old. I feel like I'm truly living an honest and authentic life. Healing is an everyday process. It's not linear. And that's okay because I think that the biggest thing my parents taught me through all of their toxic parenting is how not to be like them. Mm. Parents can teach us in many different ways. Mine taught me in a very, not the traditional way, but I am grateful that I learned from their mistakes and not didn't make the same mistakes. Sure. I think that all comes down to self-awareness. I think that's the key ingredient is having the self-awareness to do better, to want to do better, to know that you deserve more, that your children deserve more, and that that parenting and life isn't perfect. And I'm, I still make mistakes and that's okay, but I apologize for them and I do better. And yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'm at now. <laughs> well, so beautifully articulated. I just want to acknowledge and I... I know you're summarizing just <laughs> so much deep, painful looks in the mirror, looks, choices that you made that came with, you know, their share of deep healing. And with deep healing, there's a lot of pain, you know, hurt, anger, sadness, joy, all of them, right? All of the emotions. And I know that that's been a big part of your journey is, you know, stepping into those spaces and those emotions and such a poignant and well-spoken path of rewriting your mother code, right? Like literally that wiring that you grew up with. And I'd love for you to, in a second, because I think the term toxic parenting encompasses a lot. So I'm going to have you unpack that, you know, a little bit. So people, I intuitively, I think people know, but a little bit of what that means to you and how that's kind of being used to describe an experience and obviously one that wasn't positive in the aspects of it. So why don't we do that first? And then I want to like keep digging in here because so much to go with. It's so interesting that you say that because a couple of weeks ago, um, I was at an event in Miami and someone came up to me and they're like, oh, I really love what you're doing on Instagram and your platform, you know, but we all had like parents that were sort of like toxic or whatever. And I said, oh, I said, um, well, what do you mean exactly? She's like, you know, my parents, like they just did this last weekend. And I was like, I understand what you're saying. And I appreciate that. I said, but I'm actually really happy that you don't know what I'm talking about. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, because I don't have my mother in my life. She lives on a two hour flight away. She's never met my children. 
So we have very different experiences and we explain, you know, we understand toxic parenting very differently. So, you know, I think in the past I would have been sort of like not feeling validated by her. I would have been sort of upset by her choice of words, but I realized I actually was happy for her because she didn't understand what I was talking about. And I know that there are people that have different toxic parenting upbringings than I did that probably I would probably choose mine over theirs. So I think, think at the end of the day, you know, for me, it was never really having space to be a child from the beginning. My entire childhood was really my parents' marriage, uh, which was a very toxic, unhealthy marriage. And my mother, unfortunately, everything was, you know, she experienced some terrible things in her life, but I never got to see her learning from them or teaching Mm -hmm. anything about them. We were just sort of in the pain. So everything I was seeing the world throughout my childhood through her eyes and everything was through her pain. And I think it's like, that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard place to grow up in because if I wasn't listening to her talk about her pain or blaming others for her pain, there was never any accountability. I was learning about like, relationships in the world and emotions through that. So I just never really had space to be a child. I always felt responsible at a young age to like be there for my mom or, you know, tiptoe around on eggshells, like her emotional baggage or my parents toxic fighting, like everything just, if I look back at my childhood, honestly, everything was always just fighting and pain and toxic emotions. So it's unfortunate that some of the happiest memories I have are when I was with a nanny or a babysitter. And I can remember simple, beautiful moments. And it's like walking through their gardens and like picking corn. Again, I grew up in West Virginia, picking corn or like taking rides or like going on the lake. And these moments and memories were not with my parents. And, you know, that's heartbreaking. And unfortunately, that's been my story my whole life through my teenage years. You know, think about all the things a girl goes through in life as a child, a middle schooler, turning into a teenager, first loves, uh, traveling, applying for colleges, all of those things I did by myself because who was I going to call and ask for advice? Who was I going to go and get like, you know, who was I going to have an emotional connection with and get advice about life and how to live and how to love and be brave and all of these things. Yeah. My mother, because so I think that it's. She wasn't in a space to be in those spaces with you. She She wasn't in a space. Didn't have that, hadn't chosen to do what it was going to take to have that capacity and shift out of her, what sounds like incredible, uh, a deep level of victimhood and others things. hundred percent. And, you know, that's a shame because little girls, neither mothers, Women need their mothers. Mothers need their mothers. And <laughs> like many women, I just, I never had that opportunity to have that true connection or unconditional love. The love was very conditional because if I agreed and kept my head down and just let it be about her story or her pain, things were okay. But the moment I disagreed or the moment I demanded to have my own space for my own life, you don't understand or you will never understand So I will say that I have learned through healing the more compassion I've had for myself. I do have compassion for my mother. I used to be so angry and so disappointed, but I've learned, especially this past year, to have a lot more compassion for her because growing up my whole life, me not understanding, 
I always said to myself as a child, well, no, you don't understand. And as a woman, mm-hmm. I was told, you don't understand, Carrie. I was like, no, but you don't understand. And it's amazing that I was able to know this and they weren't because I was the child and they were an adult, but I'm no longer a child and I'm no longer just a woman. I'm now a mother. So mm-hmm. I'm able to have more compassion for my mother because I can't imagine not wanting like what I have, meaning a relationship with my children. You know, it it used to make me very sad that my mother chose her pain and her past over the things that she could have with me, even with her grandchildren. But I have compassion for her because I now know that what it's like to be a mother. And I can't imagine any mother not choosing that if they have the opportunity to have that. So That's helped with my healing too. And your love. And I wish her the healing that she deserves because honestly, I don't think she's a bad person. I think she's addicted to her pain. I think she's never grieved the thing that she's needed to grieve. I think she's never learned from that. And I think she doesn't know how to be without her that past. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't know. And it, it breaks my heart that she doesn't understand what her present and what her future could could hold. Could be. I know. And that's so painful. Painful. And I so I, painful. I, Bad, but at the same time, as much as I have the compassion for her and I wish her her healing and I wish her love, a lot of decades of my life have been taken from me and I won't let that touch me now and I won't let that touch my children's life yeah. because my children need me 100%. So it might sound sort of not cruel, but being you know a little unfair, but It's not because I would never wish my childhood upon my children. So I will do whatever it takes to protect them at any cost. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that there's (laughs) no, it's beautiful. And yes. And in our culture, like these are the cultural things we need to rewrite no matter what, you know, happened in your past. Like you can't deprive your children of their grandmother or, you know, what do you mean? And I've had similar aspects, you know, of and can relate a lot to your journey about making choices along the way of like how much contact and boundaries and, and feeling very protective of my emotional space and theirs as well. So I so get it. And I want to underline a couple of things that you're articulating from your experience that are very wise, which is, you know, until we choose to take care of ourselves and go on our own healing journey, our own self-awareness journey, like work, this pain for ourselves that we can't, we are not going to be present for those around us, you know, to our children. And it's kind of the, the effect of that is you become, you know, part of the unhealed pain, right? And that's what you're talking about being like wrapped in that. And, and I loved how you it's the word like addicted. And I would say she's not even really in her pain, she's addicted to her suffering and she's addicted to drama. If she were actually really in her pain and feeling her pain, something would move and something would shift. And I'm saying that not like to blame her, like just for us to be aware, you know, of ourselves with things when we just hang on to things, then we can make that choice of how we want to be with our children. You know, it's like, okay, I had this model. I see like lots wrong with it. And, but I have a different vision. And I know because you've done the work that you have, that it's really more of a vision that you've created in rewriting these codes, not just a, because sometimes I'll work with people and it's like, well, I'm just going to not do what my mom did and think you can bypass, you know, your own healing from what you did have in your upbringing, right? That 
it's going to unconsciously find its way out unless we acknowledge it or name it. And it also can cause us to like swing the pendulum, like, okay, my mom was this way. This is not what you're saying. You know, all she did was dump her pain on me. So I'm not going to show any emotions around my child. Right. Right. And I I know that's what you're saying. I just want to make the distinction for people listening that those, and sometimes the way we say things, people will interpret it that way. It's like not it at all. Right. Like this is making a responsible choice about how we're going to be, you know, in our mother space and create the motherhood that we knew was that you knew early on was possible, right? That you had those awarenesses and glimmers like this isn't how it's supposed to be, right? Like this, there's just and sometimes as kids, we don't even really we just think this is how every how it is. And everyone's living the life that we're living until we get older and realize, like, oh, like <laughs> you didn't have a mom who was, you know, in constant drama or and dad and such. So it's like the just the the foundation of, you know, what we both work on and what I'm talking about, you know, with rewrite the mother code so we can have what now. And I get the sense, even though you didn't maybe say directly, like these very present moment experiences with our children, but we have to have them with ourselves, you know, so we can have them with our partner and then with our children. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. I mean, you're you're right. Like, it's not like I can say, oh, well, my mother did this. I'm not going to do this. But the funny, not the funny thing is, but the interesting thing about knowing that you had a toxic upbringing is that you realize along the way you develop things from that you're oh. talking about. Oh, yeah. Behaviors, thoughts, beliefs. Yes. And beliefs. I mean, this past year, I've really worked on it, but it's my anxiety. I've suffered through for it from anxiety my entire life. I've always, you know, since my husband's met me 15 years ago, he would always tell me, drop your shoulders, drop your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Because I constantly lived in like a fight or flight. Yes. Um, I tended to I tended to always like be in chaos, like overwhelming myself, never making myself a priority because I grew up in chaos. I thrived in chaos. And I thought that made me like successful, always being in chaos. Anxiety, OCD, a control freak. I've had my fair share of eating disorders since the age of 14 until about 30. As an adult, like I would always like, oh, I just need a glass of wine. I need some wine. I'm like, and it's, I realized this year, like it's all numbing. It's all mm-hmm. these things is just numbing me from not wanting to feel the feelings that I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And until you sort of like acknowledge them. And I know like, you know, being a perfectionist, I know that like shame is a very good way to keep perfectionists silent mm-hmm. because I've been very good my entire life. I know a lot of people that have started sharing my story are shocked because I am very good at wearing this perfectionist mask, but I've let it all go because it's gotten me nowhere. None of these things, none of these coping mechanisms, none (laughs) of these things, none of this perfection, it's gotten me nowhere. It's just delayed my healing. It's delayed me being the best person I can be, the best mother I can be. It's just having joy in my everyday life. So this past year, I really just started letting it all go. And, you know, writing this book and has been truly healing and having my platform and sharing things. I mean, when I first started this platform in December, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, am I really going to share this? And if I look back at it now, compared to like just what I posted yesterday, I am a totally (laughs) different person. I mean, I just keep walking through these doors of like fear And they close behind me and then like, there's no going back. And I just walk through the next one and the next one. And it's been liberating. It's been, been great. I don't, everyone doesn't have to do that, but I think like 
whether you seek therapy or you just acknowledging all right. of these things. And I acknowledge the anxiety. I acknowledge the eating disorder. I acknowledge the wine drinking. I acknowledge all of these things. And I thank them for their service because right. they tried to protect me and Absolutely. What they could do. And I thank them and I'm not shameful of them, but I'm no longer available. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. We're breaking up. I, I no longer need you. I'm yes. going to do this on, I'm going to do this a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Numbing my pain and numbing out, you know, did serve me for a while, but I want something different that yeah. that doesn't serve anymore. And, you know, that's again, this presence and whether it's then presence to the, these emotions and uncomfortable emotions, or because if I'm not willing to be present to those, I can't be present to, I won't be present to the beautiful moments. I'm going to miss them. I'm going to be too numb for them. It could be just a smile that I catch from my husband or, you know, the beauty around me and, and outside. And I was thinking as you were just saying that and just, wow, look at where I've come, like so afraid to put something out in December to now. You were in the beauty industry, right? You're in an industry that is all about covering, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say it in the, it's more negative terms, you know, covering up, like hiding our flaws, like yeah, putting straight, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not saying like, you know, no, you're done it's, with that forever, but it's, it's <laughs> right. You know, and, and we do that, you know, and, and I think your willingness to take that mask off and just show all sides, right? Because there's nothing wrong with the beauty aspect, right? It's just, again, when we're using it as a coping mechanism or, you know, a place that we feel ashamed or something. So we want to hide it. You know, it's just another one of those avenues. And yeah. I went into nutrition. I mean, when I'm studying nutrition and even applying for my master's and going to NYU and clinical nutrition, I was in full fledged eating disorder mode. I mean, at that point I had shifted um, from into a different disorder because I could no longer manage the other disorder. But I mean, and I didn't mention this in my bio, but I have a bachelor's in psychology as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of my choices were not coming from healthy places. I think if they were coming from places of control, how to manipulate, how what to know. And then I threw myself into, and then I didn't work in nutrition. I went into the beauty industry of all things, which probably fueled my perfectionism <laughs> issue <laughs> even more. So yeah. <laughs> and in between- well- Drinking a lot of martinis. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's been decades of like, wow. (laughs) Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, Hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather, if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay. And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about 
tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah. And then isn't it so great? Like, I love that you can say that and we can have distance and because you've been through the pain and you've chosen to work on it. And as you said, even just naming it is a huge step, right? The awareness that this is something that is having an impact on me that I need to acknowledge. Then I can choose if or when I'm going to do something about it. But that first big step is just saying this is this is a thing, right? Yeah. And these have been a thing. And I, I would say, you know, with your, there was probably both going on, right? There was the like, Ooh, let me learn about this so I can manipulate it and find my way around it and understand it. Yeah. But also that like deeper hunger to know that they took you places, right? That I think our unconscious was also working. Well, yours was and ours does, you know, to take us on a path that we need to, even though your conscious mind could only grasp it as the tool that it yeah. was, but because you were able to then, I think those were openings. for you because it's scary. You know, it's scary to just say like, oh, I'm going to go, I've decided I'm going to go just open up everything and reveal everything and dive right in, right? Our system needs a little. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, It's terrifying. (laughs) The thing is, it's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Not living authentically, not living wholeheartedly, not becoming the parent that I wish I had just being fine, like no more, like (laughs) I'm not willing to sacrifice any of that anymore. And just talking with you now just helped me realize that that's how I am being the parent that I never had is that Mm. I'm owning all of these things. It's not a matter of, it's not so clear and cut like, oh, well, my mother always shared her pain with me. I'm never going to overshare. It's more of a wholehearted effort of owning my stuff working through my stuff, having the self-awareness and teaching my children almost like 
I was never wired correctly, so I've had to do all this rewiring. I want to wire my children the first time around. They're the best of my ability. And knowing sure. that it's not perfect. I mean, parenthood, motherhood is hard. I make mistakes all the time. And we teach mindfulness in my house. My kids are learning like meditation and self-control and coping mechanisms, all the things I was never taught. And yes, my, my son had a tantrum yesterday. And after five or six times of telling him to please stop doing that, I lost it and raised my voice. I'm a mom. I'm tired. It's summer. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to be perfect. But then we sat down and we held hands and I said, you know what? I'm sorry. Mommy shouldn't have raised her voice. I was frustrated. Do you think we could listen and you think you could help mommy and we could do this? And it's just a matter of pausing, taking a moment, connecting yep. with my child and finding a better way, always yeah. just finding a better way. Well, you're describing something that's really, we're always going to have breaches in our relationship, right? The attachment breach, but it's all about the repair. So I just want to underline that, right? That, and I love how you said that. Well, of course, like we're human, right? Yeah. We're, we're yeah. human and we're rewriting a current cultural code that like somehow mothers aren't supposed to be human. They're just supposed to, you know, there is this perfectionism wired in like a, a right way and a, yeah. you know, this very fine line of what's good, what's bad. And, you know, we're talking about self-directing that, like us deciding, you know, taking that power back to decide what is okay for me, you know, what works for us, you know, from this framework and from, you know, a broader vision, right. Of, self-improvement, you know, some mindfulness, like you said, and awareness of our emotions. And we can do that alongside our children. And that's what you're talking about, right? And something that you've said a couple of times about, you know, I get to reparent differently and I get to keep reparenting myself through it, right? And that's, you know, something I tried, was not always capable, not capable, but didn't always like hit the mark, but it was so powerful. And I'd remember it when I was giving my child or one of my daughters something that I didn't have, whether it was just listening to them or being seen or, you know, certain levels of just genuine affection that I pictured little me, you know, next to them. I do want to give it to them and I want them to have it full on, but I can still reparent that little girl that's me as I'm doing that. And I don't know if you've thought of that explicitly, but I wanted to add that to your repertoire and at the same time, it's, you know, what you're talking about, but it's kind of a, almost a meditation as we're with them. Yeah. It's so funny that you just send up because a couple of nights ago, my husband and I take turns reading to our kids. So like, I'll put my daughter to sleep. He'll put our son to sleep and we have reading time at bednight, bedtime. And I was laying in bed with her and we were reading a story. And for some reason I thought about like, she looked so much like me when I was a little girl. And I was mm. just thinking to myself, this is just an example of like what I wish I had growing up. Like I can't mm. even remember like cozying in bed with like my mom and like reading a story or anything like that. So it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be these big grand displays of, no, you know, it's the smallest things. And that kids, you know, all they want is just, they all they want from us is like just for us to want to be with them, I think. Because that's all right. I you know, <laughs> you don't need, it's like, you know, these big grand displays of like affection. It's like cozying in bed and reading for like 30 minutes and sending your kid off into their dreams, like feeling loved and calm and peace. And I would take that any day. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm so with you. And then, and then it's my responsibility to give that to myself when I put myself to bed. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes that can be a challenge, right? (laughs) But any little bit that we do there, you know, anything that 
self-mothering that we give ourselves directly, you know, and can kind of, oh, if my child's enjoying this so much and we're taking such care to like send them to dreamland and I'm, you know, then turning on the TV and falling asleep to a show that is that what I'd want for them? Like, oh, okay. Uh, let me do a little more of that myself. And again, not like uh, a performance, but more so because it's just, we'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I've, that's one of my biggest lessons this past year is that knowing that I can make myself a priority and it doesn't take away from the love that I have for my children or my husband. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have like a 10 to 12 minute morning routine that has changed my life. And it's the simplest things. I wake up like about 30 minutes before my family wakes up. I don't look at technology. I drink some greens on an empty stomach. I read a chapter in a book. I meditate, do like a two to three minute guided meditation. I sit outside with my dogs and I have like a little journal, not like a dear diary kind of thing. I'm more mm-hmm. of a bullet point kind of girl, but I just write a short list of gratitude. And they're usually the same three or four or five bullet points. You know, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for our health. I'm grateful for the cozy bed and the good night's sleep that I just had. I'm grateful for my healing. And I write an intention for the day, like, you know, whatever that is for that day. And those little things like have really changed my life because I've set myself up for the day, already sort of holding space for myself. I've meditated, I'm calm. And it's like, bring it on kids. Like, I don't know. No, it's huge. Have like the greatest effects and outcome I've noticed. And again, I think when people think of like healing and change and being this perfect parent, they put all of these like big ideas and that just seems like a lot of work. And it's really just tiny little things that you can do sort of small steps do lead to big change and transformation. Right. And we gotta, yeah, we can't swallow the whole thing at once. Right. Like the whole burger, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Now I know I said I'd come back to this at the beginning. So you're in the midst of writing, kind of put it, getting your, your book out there. So I'd love you to, to share about that. And because you said, I read, you know, that your um, this is your first nonfiction, but you wrote these two other books. Yes. So obviously this is a divergence, but what are those two other books? Let's name those. And uh, I'm just curious. The two other books were written in 2010 and 2012. Um, the first one was called Fake Perfect Me. And the second one was called For Internal Use Only. And those were books that I don't really talk about because I was such a different person then. And yeah. I really- that I think I was just hiding behind these characters, trying to mm-hmm. like. Express so they're fiction. They're fiction, um, but okay. there's things that are from my life in those. Oh books. sure. But with this book that I'm writing now, it's so funny if I look back at my myself 12 years ago, how much hiding and shame I had, and now I'm like talking about this <laughs> as me, and it just feels so much better. So it's yeah. um, I don't I don't really talk about those books that were written under my maiden name and. They served their purpose then, but yeah, I think there was- Well, like- writing books is healing, right? It, it, it was part of your journey, right? Exactly. So they sound like they were a perfect vehicle for where you were at the time to get some expression and just kind of try and and wrestle with you know what you were going through. So yeah. yeah, they definitely served their purpose. This book that I'm writing now, I honestly, I feel like it was the book I was born to write feels amazing to write it. You know, my biggest thing besides healing, because that's my priority and writing the book has fueled my healing journey. 
but I truly just want to inspire other cycle breakers to turn Mm. their pain into power and to shift towards more positive parenting. That's like what I truly want to do. And I really just want people to know that like, it's never too late. Like at any time you can just wake up in the morning and decide to choose you. And if that means like creating boundaries with a toxic parent or family member, if that means, you know, whatever those choices are, and they can be small, but it's just sort of creating space and creating boundary for yourself, for your kids, so that you can like live an authentic life, that you can heal, you can just have the space to figure it out. You know what I mean? Because that's sure. the like when you're in it, it's hard to like win it. You got to have this <laughs> think, even think yeah. or feel. And that's why I created this toxic parenting awareness platform. I talk about a lot of things on the platform. A lot of it, I try to find humorous as well, because, you know, I think laughing is great. Oh, so healing. Healing is so, so healing. healing. I do put a lot of humor into it, even if the dark topics, but um, yep. Yeah. I'm just sort of sharing that to inspire other people because honestly, like I want women to win. I want moms to win and I want kids to win because honestly, if one parent like, you know, and I've had a lot of people message me and say, this is inspiring. I'm getting help. I'm figuring this all out. Honestly, if one mother like was inspired by anything that I've shared, like I think of myself as that little girl, like what happens if that would have been like my mom? who could have been inspired when I was a child or a teenager to do better or to get help or to, to heal, my life could have been different. Like things could have been different, even if the tiniest bit, like mm. I would have taken it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I love it. Good. And I want other well, people- how, I think people are going to want to like check it out and be part of what you're doing. And I love it because it's supporting women to rewrite their mother codes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Everybody finds a different way or, you know, kind of their path to do that. And I love that there's a lot of options out there and what resonates, you know, with you. And I know the, you're seeing what you're doing is going to inspire and, you know, set them on their path. So how can people find you? And then I have one more question for you. You can find me on Instagram at carry.fund. I also uh, recently just launched my website, carry.fund. And in the next week or so, there'll be an option to subscribe to my newsletter and they'll, you can receive, it's like only about 20 pages. It's just a guidebook on healing information, book recommendations, and um, what toxic parenting is. Oh, well, beautiful. I invite all listeners and yes, it'll be in the show notes, but jot it down now. It's pretty easy to remember. Gary.fund. I think lucky to have the last name fund. Who knew? I was- <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I love it. Well, last question for today, because I always like to say that because I I would love to have you back and, you know, when your book, maybe before, but for sure, you know, when your book is out in the world, what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? What does rewriting the mother code mean to me? To me, it means honestly being the mother that I was born to be. And with that, and it means something different for everyone, but it just means doing whatever I need to do to accomplish that. So my mother was the mother that she was, but that doesn't mean that's the mother that I'm going to be. So beautiful. Here, here. (laughs) 
Well, Carrie, thank you again so, so much for being here and this excuse for us to reconnect this time and carry on building the friendship that I'm so grateful got started at Mom 2.0. I know. I'm so grateful. (laughs) So grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I love seeing your face today and speaking with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I just got off with Carrie and sometimes I think we should record the like once you had stopped the record button um, because we just had a delightful conversation and I got to share with her about what else was going on in my life and things that are happening and and warmly invite her to my fall Equinox self-mothering retreat coming up in September. And I love what she said because we met at a conference. She was thinking about going to another conference or kind of more of a training. She's like, well, you know, this sounds, I think I like the idea of this versus cold conference room, not such healthy food. I mean, still, there's still a lot of great things that come from conferences, but I think I felt like she really got it. And we had that whole interview was so much about the deep ways that we can self-mother. And it's everything from the little things that we choose to do that are for us. But Right alongside that, you know, the choice to do our deep healing and really find out who we are so that we can make the most conscious choices we can and be fully present with ourselves so we can be present with our children. And I think, you know, her journey really exemplified that in such a beautiful way and a courageous way because it takes a lot of courage for us to, any of us any of us humans, you know, to to plumb the depths of our being is a courageous journey and a courageous act. So very grateful for that. Very grateful for the time I got to spend with Carrie. And I am hoping she decides to come because I love when that spark is there. And I, if that spark is there for you, please do reach out, you know, please do come to my website, drgertrudelyons.com. And that's dr and lions, L-Y-O-N-S.com, under the event section, fall equinox, and look it over. See if it speaks to you. I'm always very clear there's a right time for something like this. And and if there's any inkling, you know, follow it to gather the data, you know, see if if it, you know, truly is, because I, I trust in that. So blessings on your day. And until next time, thank you. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 